Hey, Consume listeners, Jamie Lewis here. I've been wanting to try new formats for the podcast, and this sixth season, I changed things up a bit. Every guest this season is a person of color in the wine and food industry, and roughly half of the interviews are conducted by Justin Tribu, a young black winemaker with a talent for honesty and conversation. This is a temporary format. I'll be back to hosting all the episodes myself next season, but it feels like a really important change this time around. As much as I could, I wanted to facilitate real discussion, and Justin's input and guidance helped a lot with that. I would have had her do all 10 episodes, but she was in the throes of harvest. So for what she was able to contribute, I'm very grateful. You may want to hear my interview with Justin first and listen on from there. Oh, and yeah, we're on Zoom again for these episodes. In any case, thank you so much for listening and happy sixth season of Consumed. Consumed is sponsored by my friends at Slow Life Magazine, for whom I write the food column. For the 2020 October-November issue, I'm writing about ribs in Slow County, and I included the Rib Line in Grover Beach, G Brothers in San Luis Obispo, and Miss Odette's Creole Kitchen in Paso Robles. It's been a sticky week around here, let me tell you, but I'm putting the finishing touches on the article now. If you live in San Luis Obispo or Avila Beach, check your mailbox for Slow Life Magazine every other month. And if you don't already get it, subscribe at slowlifemagazine.com. Consumed is also supported by James Onaveros at Ranchos de Onaveros Wine in the Santa Maria Valley. If you haven't already listened to my episode with James in season one, I'll tell you, he's a ninth generation agriculturalist with roots that go back to when California was governed by Spain. His ancestors had this massive land grant and it was sold off in pieces until there was nothing left but he and his parents worked hard to buy back a parcel that overlooks the land that used to be their family's, and James planted his Pinot Noir vineyard there with his own two hands at the tender age of 23. I think one of the craziest things about James is that his last name, Onaveros, means the one true vine. The coolest part of his story, though, is that the wine is absolutely beautiful, with a very Burgundian style and influence. Taste that storyline for yourself by visiting the station in Los Alamos, where Ranchos de Onaveros wines are sold, along with elevated Santa Maria-style cuisine from Chef Conrad Gonzalez. For more information, visit ranchosdeonaveros.com or thestationlosalamos.com. I've sung in the San Luis Obispo Master Chorale with Jeremy Ford for years, but I've never really gotten to know him because I sing alto and he's way over with the baritones. Then someone told me he is a total barbecue head, a pitmaster. So now, of course, I have to know more about this guy. I asked him to join the lineup on Consumed, and guest host Justin Trebu interviewed him about his roots, which he can trace back to the great barbecue traditions of the South. Jeremy grew up in San Luis Obispo, the son of a preacher who was also a blues DJ at KCPR. He talks here about what it was like often being the only black kid in school and elsewhere, and how he'd love to turn his love of music and his love of food into a jazz club and soul food restaurant in downtown San Luis Obispo. Jeremy talked with Justin about the legacy of barbecue, his dad's sweet potato pie and his mom's banana pudding, and the cannonball Adderley quote that says, you don't decide you're hip, it just happens that way. Don't miss the show notes at letsgetconsumed.com, where you can find out more about the Santa Maria-style attachment Jeremy talks about from Gabby's Grill. Okay, here's Justin's conversation with Jeremy Ford. Hi, Jeremy. Welcome to Consumed. We're so happy to have you. How's your day going? 
It is a day and it's still going. So yes. yeah, good, good to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. So happy to have you. Um, so I just wanted to start off with where did you grow up? Ah, where did I grow up? I grew up here, San Luis Obispo. Okay. Born and raised. It is hometown. Okay. What has it been like growing up in San Luis Obispo as a black man? It was it was uh, probably what you think it was. Interesting. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, like elementary school classes, you're one of of one. Yeah. <laughs> probably. You know, right. I was yeah, I was one of one in my graduating class uh, okay. in high school by the time I think when we started high school in our class, there was about seven of us, maybe seven, eight. And by the time we all walked, I was the only one left there. So yeah. that that kind of speaks to things, yes. you know what I mean? And and how quickly that happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't believe that there were more black people here at one point. But yeah, it, it was still a small population, but there were a few more. So it's always been interesting, different, but it's still the Central Coast and people are still very, very warm and accepting. And yes. Yeah. How have you found your community over the last few years? How have I, did you say, how did I found? Oh, found your community. Oh, man. I don't know. I wouldn't say I've found it over okay. the last few years. You know yeah. what I mean? It, I, this is home and I never left, so it never really changed. I never okay. had to look for anything. You know what I mean? So it's always been what's what's there. Right. Many, yeah, many of the people that I, when, when we could hang out, <laughs> you know, pre-COVID. Right. You know, uh, when we could hang out, the people that I did hang out with are people that I either, either grew up with or have known for 20, 25 years. You know, something they're they're extended. They're well well proven. Friends. Yes. So, yeah. Do you have a big family? A big family, you say? Mm-hmm. Uh, I I used to have quite an extended family here, like okay. lots of lots of cousins, aunts, uncles, and then cousins from his aunts and uncles. You know. Um, but eventually they all moved either just to other cities or back to Mississippi where, where most of my family is from. Okay. So, yeah. My, my siblings and cousins that were born here are all the first generation Californians. Everybody right. else is from Mississippi. So, but yeah, it, you know, it was interesting having a large family here. It was good at the time. It was nice to grow up with that support system here yeah. and in a place where there aren't too many people who look like you, at least, you know, you've got quite a bit of family. So right. that was always cool. But uh, yeah, it was markedly different <laughs> when they all left. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, yeah. I, I, um, I'm originally from Washington, D.C., so I'm from the East Coast. Uh, Washington, D.C., you know, once, once affectionately Chocolate City. Chocolate City. Chocolate City. And coming out here was definitely a big change for me. Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> Big change. Understatement <laughs> of the year. Understatement Shit. of the year. Um, but over the last, I've been here since 2013. And over these last few years, I found my people. And I'm so thankful for that. And I'm happy to now have you as one word. of my people. Word, word. Right <laughs> on. I can dig it. Shit. Yeah. All right. So um, how often do you get to go to Mississippi? I haven't been since I was a teenager. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the beauty of the internet these days has been like Facebook and, and such, and yes. at least having some type of contact mm -hmm. where, where 
hey, this is what we look like now. Cool. You know, so I can chat with aunts and, and cousins and, and keep up with things. And, and it's, it's really nice to at least have that connection again after not having had it for, for some time. Yeah. yeah, just for some odd reason or another, usually just affordability, you know, trying to make it on the Central Coast as a very, you know, blue collar base level person, yes, not the yeah. average San Luis Obispo that you hear about. No. So you, you can't go gallivanting everywhere when you're trying to make every day happen. And that exactly. one of the, the casualties of that is being able to travel out there and see family yes. really stinks. But thanks to, to, you know, the internet and everything, now we can all come together and check each other out and creep our profiles and exactly (laughs) (laughs) so what is your typical day-to-day look like typical day-to-day man anywhere (laughs) uh typically it's going to be if it's a weekday you know getting up and going to work and Mm -hmm. doing the doing the the daytime grind the day job the the pay the bills part and depending on day of the week what i just kind of what i've got going through the week it really depends, but most of the time it's going to be one of two things, either getting some food going or coming up with some type of a test cook, just, you know, ideas or making some music or okay. getting getting some music ready for release or doing something else with music. It's, it's usually one of those two things. Have food and music always been a passion of yours? Uh, music, yes. Okay. Food was always there, but it, it's one of those things that definitely grew as 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 i did you know as the years went on it was one of those passions that got just bigger and bigger and heavier and heavier what do you think made you want to learn more about food and learn more about barbecue just my general weird curiosity for things and kind of knowing and knowing that you know different parts of my family and my upbringing have had some experience or place with that like my mom was was known for certain dishes and my dad was the baker of the family believe it or not yeah known known for a mean sweet potato pie around town for a long long time so so yeah it was the influence was always there it was you know what i mean it was always there so and and coming from a family like that, you're going to learn how to do that before you leave. Exactly. <laughs> so you can already cook better than half your friends by the time you leave the house. Yes, 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 yes. I am always the friend that goes and cooks things for everybody. And they're like, mm-hmm. how do you do that? It's like love and community and teachings from my mom and, my, and from my dad. So mm-hmm. you said your dad's favorite dish that he does is sweet potato pie. What about yeah. your mom? What was your favorite dish that she would do? Oh man, too many. Um, but there were a few that she was known for that were definitely favorites of mine. She made enchiladas that were amazing. And, uh, she made this banana pudding that, like, for, yeah, yeah, that was, that was the jam right there, boy. That was, that was the cut up right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like big, big church services and happenings with like multiple congregations coming together for like an afternoon service and, they're going to feed everybody. And so before the service, everybody's in, in you know, the kitchen hall eating and everything. And, and it's big giant potluck and people are looking <laughs> for the banana pudding yeah. or her German chocolate cake or her enchiladas. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. knew that there were things of hers that they had to scout out. And, and like the kids would ask me, Hey, what did your mom bring? <laughs> everybody needs to go plate. Yes, please. Yes, yes. So like it was, it was, 
Yeah, it was like an event when we'd unload the car. Ooh, what'd you bring? Yes. So would you say a lot of the people in your family are meat eaters? All of us. Okay. I love yeah. that. No vegetarianism in my no family. No vegetarianism. Okay. No. If any if anything, I'm the closest one. Okay. Yeah, hands down. I've, I've, you know, experimented with random diets and such here and there. I might be a black dude, but I grew up in San Louis. So, yeah, That's experiment true. with the hippie yes. diets. I do it. I didn't change over, but I do it. Yeah, so <laughs> there was no, but for real, there was a period of time where I went like weekday vegetarian, you know uh -huh. what I mean? And, and tried not to eat meat during the weeks or then, yeah. or it would be pescatarian or just, you know, switch it up every here and there. And What's your yeah. favorite type of meat? <sighs> I'm, I'm probably I'm probably just that boring old like just a really good cut of beef okay like you can't go wrong with a well simple like well seasoned but simply seasoned cut of really good beef okay and why do you I think do. simply seasoned is can be better than you know a multitude of different spices sometimes I love flavors. I do it all the time. Absolutely guilty. I'm a child of Southern cooking. We throw everything we have in and create love and amazing out of it. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, there's certain things like when you have a high quality product, yeah. which I mean, and, and if we look at the real cut and dry, and you know, get rid of bullshit, the reason that we create love out of all of these different flavors is because what we were using was crap. Yes. We were given shit. Yes, we were. So we made chicken salad out of chicken shit. Yes. And, but when you don't have to, when you're given a higher quality product, it's a different approach sometimes. Right. And and a lot of times, you know, you can ruin the good natural flavor of a good cut of beef or a good, you know, good piece of pork or, or something like the sweetness of a really good, well-raised pig. You know, it's not going to be what you find in a grocery store. And you don't have to, you don't have to do too much to it. So. Right. Yeah. Sometimes so, you just let the natural flavors shine through. Exactly. So where do you get your meat when you're out, um, out from out here? Man, it really depends. Um, since I'm not really super plugged in and, you know, affordability is huge because yes. things are just expensive, especially right now with, with the COVID and the, you know, meat markets and, and processing plants. And just shortages and shutdowns and prices are just up and down like crazy. Um, Costco has become a big go-to with decent quality meat and pretty good prices. Um, another, uh, another kind of almost a hidden joint because it was right under my nose and I never thought about it for a while uh, was Whole Foods. Okay. The butcher at Whole Foods is great. Okay. Yeah. It's always nice to have a butcher friend. Yeah. Well, and, and plus just what they can do for you, what they do have. You know, I think yeah. a lot of people would be surprised to figure out that it's like, yeah, I want a tomahawk, a big gigantic ribeye. They're like, yeah, okay, cool. How, how much do you want? Like, oh, you have? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, a bit of a surprise. I didn't expect them to be, you know, readily available. And, um, and did you teach yourself about all the different cuts of meat or did you say your mom and your dad and oh man i didn't learn much of yeah i didn't learn much of any of that from my parents okay like, i learned some of it but not really a lot of that was learned by uh general curiosity being able to come up in a a ever-growing multimedia era 
Yes. So information was becoming, you know, more and more accessible as as I grew a little older. So that any more curious I grew about anything, it was growing easier to find out about yes. it, whatever it was. So yeah, that was huge as as well as just having other friends, you know, just being from here, there's a lot of friends I have who've gone on to do a lot of random things and a lot yeah. of them are cooks, you know, many of them are cooks and, or nutritionists or, or just something having to right. do with food to some degree or another. And, and if you're hanging out or talking or chatting or whatever, you, if you're smart, <laughs> you know, pay attention. There's always yes. something to learn. So yeah, just, well, um, what would you say? Would you say you have any pit master inspirations? And if you do, are any of them black? Oh man, there are essentially pit master inspirations would be all of them okay. if we're talking black. Because yeah. without any of them, this would not be a craft. And every one of us has learned from a black pit master. Yes, you know, every if, single if, one of us. If there is one that has been the most influential on me, it's not any of the, the big shots. It's my brother. Okay. You know, it's it's my older brother because that was, if there is a first, you know, finger quotes pit master that I knew it was that dude. You okay. Because much, like, much like with my mom's reputation and my dad's reputation, my brother's reputation was barbecue. Yes. You know, so and and when he would would throw one or or they'd have one at my older sister's house and he would cook. And this is when, you know, they're in their early 20s. So this was get away from the parents kind of barbecue. Yes. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Slapping yes. bones on the table. And That's right. Yes, you know, those barbecues. And I was maybe <laughs> 12, 13. So, I, yeah, I was a little OG trying to hang out. Uh, You're just there no, for like, Yeah, I'm just I'm just here for the food. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, but my brother, his reputation, that dude could throw down. Like he's the first dude that showed me you can marinate in beer. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Blew my yeah. mind. But he always had an extra 40 of old English for tri-tip. And I was just like, okay. And then he started showing me how he did things. And it's like, okay. And yeah, I probably watched that dude for five, six years before I even attempted to to grill anything. I I wanted to make sure I had his steps committed to memory. Yeah. Before I tried before I even tried to emulate him. Yeah. I love that. But yeah, so, that was that was the dude. Yes. So what's his favorite type of barbecue to do? Does he love tri-tip? Does he love um beef does he love pork uh, my brother was your general like central coast barbecue head like okay. around here you've probably figured it out you know tri-tip is king around here and it doesn't matter what culture you're in you'll find a way to use it so that's just kind of what we do you're going to go to a barbecue you're going to find tri-tip you're going to find chicken those are usually your two guaranteed sometimes you'll find pork if you do it'll more than likely be in the form of ribs because nobody's going to low and slow a pork shoulder all day yes that's true you know what i mean because that's not how we cook. We cook hot and fast Santa Maria style out here. So I didn't know what tri-tip was until I came out here to California. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and the crazy thing is, is that's really finally changing. That's yes. really changing. Even in like the barbecue community, like Santa Maria style cooking is picking up more in the areas where they, they called us really more what it was, grilling. Mm -hmm. They were like, that ain't barbecue, that's grilling. And so, yeah, they, they, they got a point. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's still really good. It's a cool technique. You should use yes, it. it is. Yes, it is. Now you see a lot of people doing it. And it's actually a dude on the Central Coast. I just realized it's making that happen for a lot of people. It's really cool. I love there's that. This, there's this dude, uh, Junior. Uh, he runs this little thing called Gabby's Grills up in Paso Robles. And he makes these amazing attachments for like your general Weber kettle. Okay. And, and it's just this thing, you pop it right on top of your Weber kettle and then you've got your grate that raises up and down with the crank and it's okay. got a lock on it. So you can do your, you know, your slow cook up high over the fire and you can oh. use real wood right there and you're in your normal Weber. So like any round kettle grill that you have, you can throw this attachment on. So like I'm, going to be spending money with junior very yes. very soon i, I saw his yeah i saw his product on a bunch of the youtube channels that i watch of a bunch of the barbecue enthusiasts on there and like just about all of them have some video of them using this thing and singing its praises so i'm like okay i gotta go to this website and figure this out and see what's going on so i'm looking at it and it's a little pricey and there's something that says it's cheaper if you you want to come pick it up. So I'm like, God, oh, geez, where is this? Probably where somewhere in Texas. I'm thinking <laughs> it's like Texas or something. Nope. Paso Robles. Nice. Right over the grid. You're like, all right, I can do that. Just a little hot skip. Yeah. But, but also how cool is it that Santa Maria style cooking 30 minutes South yeah. is now taking over all of all these dudes out here and a bunch of the guys with influence who are spreading the news of this and the, the, the piece of equipment to use is from 30 minutes north of us. Yes. You know, like... It starts, it's always whole, fun when it starts local. The Central Coast is is making that move right now in, yes, in barbecue, and that's really cool. And I don't know if a lot of people understand that. Like, Santa Maria style is finally spreading. People get yes, it now. Maybe. So now you see Texans grilling tri-tips, and that's kind of crazy. Awesome. So... Barbecue, I feel like, is a really important part of Black heritage and Black culture. Absolutely. Up, we talked a lot about, you know, doing barbecues with your brother and with your sister. Other mm -hmm. than the meat itself, what were some of your favorite parts about that? Was it the stories that y'all told? Was it the music? Was it the side dishes? Um, I read this really awesome article about Black pitmasters, pit and they talk about how barbecue is slow cooking in community. It's sitting mm -hmm. over all these beautiful, you know, not always beautiful pieces of meat, you know, low, yeah. quality, low quality meat and just letting it get tender and getting the seasoning and taking your time and being together. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. All of, yeah, all of the above, really. Um, uh, so I, I would concur with them on that for one. Um, for, for me, and I'm just, you know, I'm a weird dude. I, I look at things differently. I process things differently. And I'm completely okay with flying that freak flag and let you know hey. that I don't, I don't really care. I'm strange. Um, but that also means that I'm, you know, taking other parts of these experiences in that maybe some people aren't paying attention to. And those are the things that stick out to me. Like when I was a kid, there were far more like community type events in san luis obispo like we used to have this thing called la fiesta like every may it was a like a big week-long celebration of the town's spanish heritage oh. and and there were just events everywhere and there used to be like a big like carnival slash street fair type of thing like that you'd find at like a mid-state fair over the summer yeah, yeah. Like zipper and whatever and there were little booths and such and there was always a a barbecue pit being run by the local tyree lodge our local black masons 
Yes. Of which, you know, my uncles and my cousins and now my dad and my brother are members of, you know what I mean? So that kind of stuck out like, okay, like we got booths out here. Like all our people, what are we, you know what I mean? That means we're doing something. You know what I'm saying? But that was, that was, but in retrospect, I see that that was us a sharing our culture and experience by cooking hot links. Mm. They were grilling hot links over, you know, Santa Maria style coals. Like, but who out here was eating hot links from Louisiana and stuff like, you know what I'm saying? So like bringing now, because it was so normal to me. Right. (laughs) Now I get, I'm older and get it. And I'm like, oh man, people must be going crazy when they saw people out here growing hot links. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know? So like that, that's huge. Like they were out here putting out that experience and being in an active black community, you know, in the community in general, like they were out there. And, Why do you think they're out there as much anymore? Um, well, for one, a lot of them left. Okay. For two, a lot of the older heads, you know, they were older heads. They passed away, you know, yeah. and time moved on. Yeah. Um, there's definitely people stepping into those shoes again. Right. And and, and as we would say, we out here. Uh, you yeah. Know, yeah. We're, we're doing it again. We're doing it again. And we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're a visible and, and, and beautifully active people in this area once again. Instead of where are all the black people? Exactly. Now, now you see. And yes. now there are exhibits like belonging to let you know that exactly. who is here and what they are doing. And yes, this is a real thing. And yes, we're about it. And, you know, speaking of which that was amazing to be a part of and to see the response to that. You know, yes. shout out to Court shout out to Courtney Ale. Like yes, again, Again, people oh, um, are here yeah. and stepping up into that role. And, and I give Courtney so much credit for, for yes. being one of the biggest catalysts of this, this new wave of blackness here. Like, yes, there's, there's, yes, there's yes. no way around it. I know it might seem excessive, but it's nope. all, it's all truth and well earned and well deserved. I've known her for a long time now. Like, and all the I could say. She's worked I so hard. I can say hard. to a degree. Yeah, I can say to a, a degree. I saw this coming in high school because she was just, she was smart. She was about it. She was popular. She was out there. She was wild. She was funny. But there was something there and her father was on the city campus. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, I'm thinking, okay, her dad is the first black city councilman I've ever seen here. You know, and, yes. and okay, okay, okay. Um, I'm, I look forward to seeing what you do and, yes. and here we are. So yeah, man, much, much respect to Courtney. And then for everybody listening in, Courtney is one of the founders of Race Matters Slow, which is a local black grassroots organization out here. And they create all these amazing events throughout the Slow County community, um, including two really awesome, awesome experiences within that called Noir Slow and Raise Up Slow. Yes. Yes. Super, super active. And what do they got coming up? The sub sessions now? Slow the sub sessions with all the creators. This week, I think. I got yeah, the I think. Facebook. Yeah, I got the invite and I was like, man, I want to, but I already have way too many irons in the fire right now. Yeah. So I, I had to pass on that one, but good God, what an opportunity. That's <laughs> super cool. But 
just that something like that is focusing on black creators on the central coast like yes, yes. that's so cool as a black creator yes you know? so, so what are in the irons right now for your black creativity in music oh man well the obvious one is food based it yeah. is the instagram page j ford eats uh which is a clever play on j ford beats yeah. which is my music page where i make a bunch of electronic music or beats as we would call it follow um, follow follow yeah yeah do that i don't want to you know put out those shameless plugs because i'm weird like that but i will me. i um, support it follow i will like riley <laughs> on the boondocks i will uh, yeah but um no so you know trying to get all that stuff going i have an album i'm getting ready to release with that i'm looking to release that around the 25th of august so okay who knows when people will be hearing this, but if it's out, you should find it. Um, but I can't give too much away because I, you know, spoils all exactly. the release fun. <laughs> yeah, got that. And uh, unfortunately, there's one iron not in the fire, um, which is the San Luis Obispo Master Chorale, um, the classical music that I, I get to sing with a, a massive group of wonderful people, including Jamie Lewis. So, yeah, that's, that is unfortunately temporarily shut down due to the whole COVID-19 precautions and yeah not the best idea to have a hundred boys choir in one room no. singing and opening their mouths in front of hundreds of other people <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that would that would be terrible how long have and you been part of that crowd for on and off I've been a part of the master crowd for 22 years now okay yeah I, I joined when I was a little 21 year old kid yeah yeah, just on and off. I was in some spurts and then it took about 11 years off when I just went and did a whole bunch of random things. I was in a rap group here locally. And, nice. uh, yeah, I did that for like seven years. And, and blew my chops out singing incorrectly. Yes. So had, had to go back to the gym. Right. And get, in, get into Master Corral and get to get back to singing correctly and with proper form and technique. And, Okay. Work it back out and get it back. So. And what yeah. um what's your what's your voice range? Are you a baritone? Are you a tenor? I am very much a baritone. Okay. I am I am smack dab in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I can't go. You know, teenage years. Yeah, I was up there. I was multiple octave kid who could sing mm -hmm. all the soprano parts if I wanted to and act <laughs> like it wasn't me. But yeah, that that isn't happening anymore if you paid me. Can't do that. So yeah, I'm very much a baritone. Hey there, a quick interlude to talk about another one of my supporters. Slow Food Co-op's mission is to empower health and well-being in the community by providing quality products and exceptional customer service. Community-owned, Slow Food Co-op buys from local producers, ensuring that they offer their customers real and sustainable food. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining non-GMO standards and environmentally sustainable packaging. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store on their website at slowfood.coop and visit the Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. So for your food page, I've gone, I went through every single one of your meat posts um, mm -hmm. and all of them looked so amazing. Those three different <laughs> types of ribs that you had, I just wanted to jump through the screen. Out of, uh, oh, oh my goodness. 
Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Out of all your different experiments and tries on your different meats, what's been one of your favorite um, blends and types that you've done lately? Hmm. One of the favorite ones. It was probably, I'd say it was that one night, the, the, the rack one, rack two, rack three night. Okay. Yeah. That was, that one was fun just because it was like, okay, let's try a little bit of this one on this one. Okay. Let's, no, let's try this instead. And then go into another, no, let's try it completely different, you know? So just kind of, and I had planned to do something completely different than, than that. And it was just all spur of the moment. Like, nah, let's, let's experiment today. And for those listening oh, yeah. in, what were the three different types of, of man? I can't even remember okay, any okay. of. I can't remember the first two. All I can remember is the third one because it stood out, and it was it was more of a what they would call a competition style rib. Okay. So competition style is is your general few hours of smoke, okay, and letting it you know your you know the smoke cooking part that everybody's familiar with. Uh, but after that, you would take it once it gets to a certain temperature or, or a certain color, really. And when it's really more about color and texture and, and the bend, which is also something that if you okay. cook ribs, you know about the bend. We won't get into that right now. But <laughs> if you got the bend, enough of it, not all of it, and your color is right, you wrap that up in either some tin foil or some butcher paper, depending on either where you're from or what you believe, and uh, throw it in with a bunch of good stuff like brown sugar and some butter. And and I I was experimenting that night, I believe, with some peach nectar. Mm-hmm, yes. And, and through this amazing glaze from uh, Suzy Q. Ooh. Kind of a local local uh, company out there, Suzy Q. They have this amazing like citrus rib rub glaze. It, it, oh man, it's yes. outstanding! So poured some of that in there, and some of the uh, the rubs that we were using that night. And man, just went to town with a bunch of stuff. But I knew I wanted a little kick on it, so I hit it with a few extra shakes of cayenne. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping it would be just enough. And yeah, pulled that out, and after that braises after you've wrapped that up you know you'll you'll get like the bone pull where you can see the ends of the bones better because it's it's braising in there and it kind of shrinks down and it's cooking in all the liquids so all that flavor is mingling and just meh meshing in and and slow cooking and making everything really tender and yeah awesome once you get that to like your probe thermometer if your probe just kind of goes in real nice and easy you don't even really want to look at temperatures but if you do if it's about 200 you're good to go those are those are good so yeah just pull those out of there let them sit for a little bit and shook a little more of the rub on top and some uh tahine the uh seasoning that oh yeah Mm -hmm. shook some tahine and the barbecue rub on the top of it and man 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 (laughs) <laughs> just kind of this this real nice muddy texture, but you get all the super sweet from all the candy ingredients in there, you know, the brown sugar and the butter and, and the honey that was in there as well. And and yeah, and then the hot and spicy and the, the chili kick from the, the tahine and the, the cayenne, as well as like the citric acid from the tahine with the lime flavor. So you get a little citric acid, which was fun because the rub I was using that night was a from Heath Riles Barbecue, mm-hmm. and it was a, a, a peach rub. 
So it was already peach flavored. So fruit flavor going with the tahini. And, and yeah, it was super, super fun. It was me getting real Californian on it. You know? Yes. <laughs> I love it. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. So well, when you know, you you're um, tried. Oh, what were you going to say? Oh, no, 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 nothing, nothing at all. Would you say you're a tried and true California barbecue, or do you do a little bit of that, like Texas style, Carolina style, Memphis, Kansas? Well, it's it's kind of funny because, like, the answer is tried and true California style and tried and true California style. Okay. Because there's definitely times where I am a, a West Coast Santa Maria, hot and fast, you know, simple seasoning salt pepper garlic let it go pull it off medium <laughs> and we're good you know 20 minute cook um but i'm also very californian in the means of trying to blend everything being influenced by not only my culture and what barbecue means to to my culture and where my family is from but i am not you know what i mean right. like i'm from here but my heritage isn't so I understand how important, yeah. So, which is why going more into a more of a, a long cook, low and slow yeah. cooking method is important to me because that is what's done out there. Um, but at the same time, I grew up around a lot of Asian kids. I grew up around a lot of Mexican kids mm -hmm. and all of their families had massive barbecues. You know, and their, their, their culture's cuisine are things that we all seek out here. Yes. You know, we love the cool Asian noodle spot. We love the, the cool Vietnamese place. We love the cool burrito joint. Like, that's what we do out here. So there's no black owned places. No. Like so, we have Odette's, which is fantastic, but she doesn't have mm -hmm. like a designated spot. I, I mean, we could see if time could change that because yes, she's doing pickups now. Yes, you know what I mean? So it's not that. like it isn't growing. It's it not is. like that isn't growing. And that's how it happens, right? Exactly. Networking and growing. So yes, it is. that's that's happening. But at the same time, I think you've got cooks like me who are of her same vein. But I grew up with all these Mexicans and these Asians. And, and their food inspired me, too, which is yes. why tahine ended up on the ribs yes you know what i mean like exactly. so it's kind of a thing to try to find ways to blend these other cultures that were important to me coming up the, whose food i ate just almost as much as they did because it i was put hoisin in my chicken wings and it's delicious right? yeah because it's amazing amazing it's amazing it's amazing, it's amazing. i'm <laughs> already trying to like oh yeah hoisin ribs are definitely yes something. put that on in there in the recipes <laughs> but you know they're but but those like exist so trying yeah. to find my spin on that you know exactly so what would you say a goal of yours is a goal a goal wow i'd say i had a goal food wise um but that daggum covid did it again um it's just with the changing scene of brick and mortar you know it, it definitely makes you rethink right where you want to go full steam ahead and and push money and investment to yes. um and and so yeah uh a long time goal like you were saying there's no black owned so long time goal has been to find something that is soul food based to a degree um but still using as much you know locally sustainable produce 
and and meat products as possible um, because a it's the responsible thing to do and people like you when you do that and they'll support you um so why not do something that's going to put butts in seats that's dumb to not uh but also bring them something that they obviously want because they don't have it and when they have opportunities to get it they go like miss odette's and her pickups you know what i mean so i'd always wanted to do something soul food based within the downtown area yes um but at the same time have something that could be like entertainment slash cabaret based yeah in in the evenings aka jazz club yes you know i i studied jazz in college and it's incredibly important to me it would be amazing if we had you know a small performance venue or just a decent sized performance venue for the mellower types of music like the jazz and, and stuff like that that we could have down there something for the grown folks to go to you know because if you're not a six-figure person there's not a lot for you to do in the downtown area let's just be honest about so it. true the let's be honest right about there it. is it, insane nobody yeah, if you're if you're yeah if you're not a kid or and you're not a professional there's yeah. nothing for you in that area and it yeah. would be nice to have something for everyone else down there so and you know there was a couple of jazz spots you know and a few restaurants or bars that over the years that were always incredibly supportive but they've most of them been gone for a long time now and i, I think didn't there's, know they were there. yeah there's only a few now I th- and i think i'm pretty sure linnea's you know when when things are normal still has their uh their jazz jam there but, okay mm-hmm. so what about makes your heart sing oh man everything um the simple fact that it isn't what everybody else is listening to i I think that's what drew it to me in the first place Mm -hmm. you know what is this and i was listening to the stuff in junior high and high school when no one else was and it's just there's it's it's so many stories that are being told to you and you know they're they're reaching out to you and and if it if you if you're hip you know if you if you can dig and you hit then you know what they're talking about And, and yeah, so it's kind of hard to explain, you know, it's just, you know, I, I think Cannonball Adderley said, you know, it, you don't just decide you're hip, you know, it's more of a fact of life. Exactly. <laughs> it's a fact of life. Jazz was my, is my, was my grandma's favorite type of music, so I always grew up loving and adoring jazz, and mm. my mom loved it as well, so. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I definitely got my ends to jazz from my dad, who was a, okay. a blues DJ at the time. He was co-hosting a show at KCPR with a guy at the Burnt Dog Blues Lounge. And so I would I would go hang out with them in the studios like seventh and eighth grade and go hang out in the demo rooms and take stacks of vinyl and CDs and tapes with me and just listen to whatever was in there. And, and that's basically where I got introduced to most of the rock music I listened to because, you know, it was so blues based. Yes. So that's where I found Jimi Hendrix. That's where I found the Stones. That's where I found all of that stuff and went nuts on it. And yes. that's where I found all the blues-based jazz. And that's what pushed me in that direction, too. That is, all, that is so cool. Yeah, as well as hip-hop, because, like, my yeah. favorite hip-hop show started after my dad's show. So <laughs> I got to listen to the underground hip-hop show that came on right afterwards and, and get to talk to the DJ dude, who I listen to all the time. And he would he would send me, like, promo CDs and everything. And what, what was that DJ's name? He went by Spence Dookie way back in the day. Yes. Spence Dookie. Yeah, he ended yes. up being a journalist. <laughs> yeah, he's still a journalist, but I think he's like a big, uh, an avid skier now. Very cool. 
Are you a skier? Not at all. <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you a uh, you a surfer? Not at all. Okay, so you want to hear something funny? When I made the decision to come out to California, my mom and I, were, it was because I went to school out here. And my mom mm. and I were choosing between Cal Poly and Vermont. And my mom's like, mm. are you ski or are you going to surf? I'm okay. like, I'm not going to do either, mom. But That's I'd right. rather be in the sunshine. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, see, I grew up here. I'm spoiled. I couldn't I couldn't do snow, even if it was to visit. I'd be like, man, no, can, can we go? It's cold. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so slow is so beautiful, but it does have a lot of challenges. What have mm-hmm. been some of your biggest challenges living out here? Man, personally, for me, it's been like this chasing the carrot. You know what I mean? Like coming up as a kid of no means, no hand me, you know, no, no yes. hand me downs, no, no, well, all hand me downs, but nothing to hand down. You know what I mean? Like there's no base to start with, no, no, nothing like that. So trying to build up from that while watching the place become more and more expensive, more and more yes. gentrified. Yes. All this generational wealth coming in here. Yeah, something a lot of people aren't talking about, how a lot of the spots that could be something for people to live in that could be affordable don't end up being that. And and but somebody who can't afford to do something with it does. And and the fact that, you know, rich people's kids are the only ones who can afford to go to school here because the housing is too expensive, which sets the rest of the housing market and raises it. Yes. So yeah, that's that's been one of the toughest things about it because it's in a weird sense you completely understand why you grew up here and it's gorgeous and you don't want to leave. Yes. But it it would be nice to, you know, have your opportunity or at least the good Make opportunity that you're told you have have you over the poverty line, you know, which is one of the the big the big pushes. Yes. With, all of the irons in the fire, you know, unfortunately it's, it's try to make some type of money off of these passions that keep me happy because maybe that's, what's going to be able to keep me here. Right. Cause you have your eight to five job, but you have your, Mm -hmm. you have your entire job. You have two other jobs and how do you Mm -hmm. make time for yourself in between all of that? Because food and music is a passion of yours, but you got to make sure to make time for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that hardly happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm definitely a bit of a hermit, so you know, usually it's it's hiding out and game planning or working on something or something. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about the history of Black Barbecue and how it's never really fully been documented by somebody within the culture, and how you find yourself filling these gaps um, with passed down mm-hmm. knowledge from your brother. Um, you know, yeah. I know you, you haven't really been to Mississippi very, very much, but how have you been able to take it from them? Oh, man, it's really more taking it from the people I've been able to personally take it from and kick it back down, you know, as far as that experience is to me. Uh, I now have my nephew, my sister's son, who just moved to Las Vegas, and now he's, you know, away from the family on his own, but newly, you know, kind of a, a man of his own home so he's he's been cooking and grilling and smoking a whole lot like a lot a lot and sharing all his pictures and everything and now he's been you know that's been most of our contact is is him talking to me about it and i'm like holy crap there it is it's the cycle 
you know, got it from my brother. Yeah, now here we are giving it to him. And, you know, much like all of my friends and family gave it to me, now we're just kind of keeping that cycle going. And I, I mean, that's kind of a huge part of the importance of Black barbecue. Yes. Is, is community, the community it builds and, and the family ties it builds and how a lot of these families are the guys who start, you know, a lot of these families are the Black businesses. You know, they're Black barbecue businesses. There may not be a lot of black businesses in these small towns, but there's a good chance a barbecue joint is one. And it's probably on its third or fourth generation at this point. Yes. You know, and that's amazing to see, especially in the cities that those are usually in, because it's usually in the South, you know. Right. So I know you brought up the local black Masons, and I mm-hmm. know a lot of people are starting to pass away. Are there still active black Masons in this area? I do believe Tyree Lodge is still active. I'm okay. not super duper positive, because okay. uh, you know my dad and my brother were members. My brother has moved to Arizona, right. but my dad's still here. So if I talk to my dad, I'll I'll see how active Tyree Lodge is right now. But I'm pretty sure they're still here. Awesome. How are um how are you how is your dad? My dad is doing well. He's he's getting up there in age, so he has to kind of take it easy right now, especially with all the, the quarantine stuff. So I'm sure he's antsy <laughs> because he's not the kind of dude who likes to slow down. He uh, recently retired from uh, pastoring. He was a preacher, and he was running to church and recently retired from that. So um, he went right back into it and started working a little bit at Slow Doco because okay. he just can't. He just can't not he do say something. not be busy. I feel it. Yeah, he just can't not do something. And <laughs> then my mother, my mother recently retired as well. So, yeah, they're they're both finally hanging out. Yeah, <laughs> and they're like, ah, oh, I'm bored of you. What what can we go and do? Just yeah, exactly. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yes. So it looks like Jamie has a question. She Ooh. wants to know how people can get your food, Jeremy. <laughs> how people can get their my food they can be my they can be my neighbors or my co-workers or good okay. friends and and get lucky good i'll bring wine but, let's do it yeah yeah not for real we'll talk about that um yeah, but at some point you know but but yes at some point there is there there is some talks and discussion i'm in discussion with a few other friends who are also local also with southern lineage uh not black dudes but honestly some of the, the most damn white dudes i know really um yes and yeah I, I mean it in that way somebody's gonna get offended yeah i said it in that way they dance yes. uh, in that way one one is from georgia one is from texas i love these dudes to death i, I really consider them brothers and they both understand the craft and the passion and what it takes and one then one of these dudes can burn he can get down on a grill so We've been chatting, and I'm determined for the three of us to put our heads together and, and rule the town. I love that. I can't wait to watch you rule. Yeah. So it's coming, Jamie. Don't worry. Yay. Thank you, Jerry. This has been great. Thank you, Justin. This has been a very fun experience. Again, just I'm just thankful that y'all had me and thankful for the experience. Thank you very, very much. Thank you for listening to Consumed. I'm grateful for all of your ears every single day. The podcast is produced by me, Jamie Lewis, and edited by Chris Lambert. 
I hope you'll support the businesses and people featured this season and come back for another season of Consumed this winter. Until then, take care.